Let's go into Dr. Sabbath's case. The 68-year-old woman presented with a one-month history of aggressive shortness of breath. She's a lifelong non-smoker and has no environmental or secondhand smoke exposure. A chest x-ray revealed a large right pleural effusion. She had a thoracentesis for diagnostic and therapeutic reasons. It was exudative that was cytologically positive for non-small cell carcinoma. Subsequent staging confirmed a two-centimeter pleural base right lower lobe mass. She had extensive pleural studying. She had mildly enlarged mediastinal lymph nodes. By PET-CT, she was markedly positive all throughout the pleura and in the mediastinum. Two weeks after her initial thoracentesis, she required a second thoracentesis for symptomatic reasons. She obtained a second opinion consultation, actually somebody from Tom Lynch's group, and we elected to treat her with Tarsiva. She did very well. She had a moderate rash, subsequently resolved, did not require any further thoracentesis. However, four months later, started to get short of breath, and sure enough, by scan, not only had her pleural effusion recurred, but her lung mass was larger as well. And the question is, we have several options of treating her and what your thoughts would be. Marty? Well, you know, I think that this case points out that despite the fact that there are those patients who have really long-term durable benefit from TKIs, not everybody does. And in fact, the vast majority do not. You know, at a certain point, they do progress. I mean, so this is a lady who certainly fits the group that quite possibly has a mutation or overexpression. The strongest predictive factor for response to TKIs is the never smoking status. She did have a very nice, gratifying response, but unfortunately, she progressed in four months. And so now where do we go? And I think I would go with a standard two-drug cytotoxic regimen. Take your choice. Probably in this country, carbotaxol would be quite reasonable. You could certainly go with carbogemcitabine. You could follow the data from the meta-analysis and go with a cisplatin-based regimen. I think all of these are quite reasonable. We discussed a little bit earlier the CALGB trial in the never-smoking population. She would have been an ideal candidate for that, randomizing patients between either Tarsiva or chemotherapy plus Tarsiva. It would have been nice to have had a third arm in that trial of Tarsiva, say to maximum response, and then a planned sequence to chemotherapy. I mean, what is interesting, and it sort of has been neglected, or at least hasn't been a followed up and an interesting lead, is if you go back to some of the forest plots from many years ago, I think when Tarsiva was first developed, is that looking at this as a second line, there was a problem with the people who had, had non-platinum chemotherapy actually had worse outcomes with erlotinib. Now, why? I have no idea, but it is an interesting fact. So now at this point, we're going to another line of therapy, and I would go with standard chemotherapy at this point. I've actually had a number of patients like this. In my practice, I still am a little reluctant to use erlotinib in a non-study situation as frontline treatment. I'm not as compelled by what's out there. Who knows? That may change as more data emerges. Hopefully it will. But I frequently have these patients who've gotten an upfront chemotherapy for one reason or another. They get erlotinib. They were fitting again in this epidemiologic group. They progress on that. And we've had some very excellent responses to subsequent cytotoxics. Cytotoxics with BEV or without? 
I would add bevacizumab in this. I have not used bevacizumab yet because in that situation, I've been more towards like third-line therapy. So where I've been using a drug like Alimta, where I have less information on that plus bevacizumab. But I think I would use it in this situation. I had written a number of options of treatment. There was a study she was eligible for up front. The other question that I had was, even though she didn't necessarily fulfill the criteria for the study because she got a TKI initially, she's never seen chemotherapy. Right. And she would seem to be exactly the right patient to get Bev with Carbotac. Yeah, assuming that she has no contraindications, no, yeah. particularly in the brain, where I have found an awful lot of these people manifesting disease in the brain relatively early. Mark? Yeah, I agree with that. The other thought that crossed my mind is that you have a cytologic diagnosis on her, right? Correct. Just from the pleural fluid. Is there value in, if not necessarily getting more cytology, but having your local friendly favorite thoracic surgeon stick a thoracoscope in her, get a chunk of tissue. She's seen Tom Lynch. I would wonder if this patient has a resistance mutation. There are some new phase one drugs coming out. Marty mentioned them before. If she's plugged into Tom, you know, has some relationship there. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I would think about before pulling the bevacizumab trigger just to have a surgeon look in there get a chunk of tissue, maybe he could sclerose it. You still have measurable disease that you'd see in the lung. And that would be the only other thought that I would have in addition to it. But I like the bevacizumab idea, and I wouldn't necessarily preclude her from getting that just because she's had her lot in it before. But again, I think we are, particularly in these never smokers, we are into a disease that's EGFR driven. We are in a time when we have good mutations and bad mutations, and we are at a time when we have, at least in phase one, trials drugs that may benefit people if you know more about their molecular profile. I didn't do a CT in between, but the fact that she requires thoracentesis every two weeks, all of a sudden you put her on, it drops down, she feels good. I have to presume she had disease that is initially sensitive to TKI and whether she then mutates or whatever, but something changes that she no longer responds. Right. Yeah, that could be a resistance mutation. I see. Um, okay, I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in which there are some new TKI therapeutics in phase one trials designed specifically for the resistance mutations. Gotcha. So I think the jury is still out on their value to date, but at least if you knew her molecular profile, then perhaps that she would be eligible. And I think Dr. Lynch is in the middle of a phase one or phase two study with HK something, something, something that I think is the T790 mutation. That's It's kind of a designer TKI for that particular mutation that was described by... Actually, I think the way that this all emerged was this was another irreversible inhibitor. And what makes them different, and it was fortuitous, is that the mutation that at least in some patients causes this abnormality, and this is beautifully illustrated, and there was a New England Journal of Medicine paper on it, is that while the Aris and Tarsiva fit into this cleft and inhibit at the ATP binding site, the mutation causes a steric problem and it just doesn't fit anymore. And this other drug, by just sheer chance, happens to fit around the corner there and it actually could inhibit it. So it wasn't necessarily designed for it, but it just was on the shelf. And gee whiz, it happened to work. And when they investigated it, it was really a beautiful example of structural biochemistry. 